game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, it's been, gosh, I don't even know how many weeks since uh, we've actually been able to get together, but we're back. Uh, it is the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast. I am Chris Allen. And I am Adam Wildy. And uh, we're here. It's about, uh, let's see, we're getting into week nine, about halfway through or most of the way through the fantasy regular season. And whether it's redraft or whether it's Dynasty, I know a lot of folks are, I guess, it's getting to that point where I think most folks are hitting a wall where logging into MFL, Yahoo, ESPN, like whatever platform that you use, but the the chore, I, I use that term specifically because it starts to feel that way, depending on where you're sitting at in your respective leagues. I mean, if you're sitting at two and six, three and five, or even one and seven, uh, I mean, you know, thinking about having to set your roster week in and week out now becomes something of a chore. And that's where that's part of what our discussion today is going to be. I mean, Adam and I, along with the uh, great dynasty outhouse, I mean, we're going to start talking about turning your attention uh, towards 2020 and beyond. And uh, of course I need to bring in our illustrious guest, Russ. How are you doing today? My friend? Well, better now that I'm with you guys. Of course. I mean, uh, we had uh, a couple of delays uh, with our actual jobs kind of getting in the way. But, I mean, who really cares about that on a <laughs> Thursday afternoon? But we're here. We're together, just like we were just a couple months back in Canton, Ohio. But uh, with that uh, in mind, I mean, let's talk about Dynasty, fellas. I mean, let's let's talk about, I mean, some of our some of our respective teams. And, Adam, I know you had queued up. I guess, some talking points for us today. Uh, so, I mean, go ahead and hit us with, uh, I guess, some of your, I guess, the, the situation that you find yourself in, you know, as, as bad as it may be. Yeah, so it's 150% my fault that we haven't recorded in the past few months. A lot of life stuff, uh, baby coming, wedding, new house. Um, so Which I wasn't invited I, to any of those things. Yes, so you were. Also, uh, since nobody cares about that, I just wanted to kind of talk about what happens to your teams when you don't have time to manage them because uh, I've got some embarrassing teams, actually some teams that are depressing to set lineups on Thursday. I'm like, do I really – I have to set a lineup for that. And Didn't it's we have to start because, Luke Falk in a couple – like in one of the uh, – No, it's worse, dude. It's worse than that. Worse than that? How does it get worse? That, that, that is – that's Luke pretty Falk. bad. That one is bad, but it is worse than that. Um and this is what happens when you don't manage your team throughout the year. Like when players go down, you have to be on top of it. You have to make trades. You have to hit the waiver wire. And when you don't, you can get a team like this. Um, my quarterback's Russell Wilson. That's a great start, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. After that, I've got Bryce Love, 
Oh. Ty Montgomery. Oh. Dare Agumbawale. Jordan Wilkins. Solid running back court, right? My hey, long live zero running back, then. Yeah, yeah. That is literally yeah, zero RB. Have to be good, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have any running backs. I've got to have gone heavy at wide receiver. I've got Nelson Aguilar. Nice. My boy Kendrick Bourne. Jeremy Davis. Does anybody know what Jeremy Davis looks like? I don't even know. I don't know what team he's on. Yeah, I was just about the same thing. I don't even know what team he plays on. Apparently, he exists for the LA Chargers. I've got Josh Gordon, Ray Ray McLeod, Traquan Smith, and Mike Williams. And I'm also starting Red Ellison. So I'm going to issue a public apology to John Bosch, who tends to listen to the show because he's the commissioner of this league. Look, this draft was hard. We did an auction where you had a rookie draft for every single year from 2012 on. In the 2012 auction, it was 2012 and back. So it was all the players from 2012 and earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me and Peter Howard tend to be team, uh, you know, age doesn't matter. Oh, sure. (laughs) So what you could do is you could trade your auction money into different years and just stack up on those years. So everybody was stacking up their money into 2017 uh, to get those running backs or 2014 to get all those elite wide receivers. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take everyone who's old. So I get back in 2012 and I'm thinking I'm going to get Antonio Brown, AJ Green, Julio Jones. Yeah, I didn't want to spend money on any of them. And uh, by, by the time it got to the end of the auction, I had spent pretty much no money and got no good players. So uh, here we are after I didn't manage the team all year. And uh, we're going to talk about trying to fix those things today. So, I mean, Russ, I'll kick it over to you first. I mean, what were your what would your thoughts be? I mean, you're, you're staring down the barrel of having a team that – Really, I mean, you might have a couple of pieces to build around. I mean, what would your process be for, I don't know, trying to salvage anything out of that team so that you might even have a, I guess, a, a competing roster in the next season? Man, I don't know if you're getting a competing roster from that <laughs> for next season. Uh, you might want to aim another two-ish years down the line. Uh, man, that is super rough. I mean, clearly you're selling Mike Williams and Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, the goal is to sell Russell Wilson for probably five players. Yeah, well, uh, I'm assuming Superflex? Yeah, it's Superflex. Mm-hmm. I got some offers with some enticing pieces, like Micah Gallup was in one of them. Um, but it has to be five players. Like I legitimately put them on the waiver wire and said, I want five player packages. And then Mike Williams is being reserved for any quarterback at all because if I don't get a quarterback in that package, which I'm probably not going to because in Superflex, one of the players in a five-player package is not going to be a quarterback because they're too valuable. So I'm trying to get five players out of Russ and then any quarterback out of Mike Williams and just uh, I'll see you in three years. It might be better off going for like – Trubisky and someone else, like another quarterback, like 20, that we know is still starting mm-hmm. to get at a Wilson. And, you know, it's auction. So, like, start piling thirds. Like, that's that's the one thing that's awesome about uh, auctions for rookie drafts and everything. You don't need first round picks. If you can get every third and fourth round pick, you have more than people that have two firsts. Sure. Yeah. 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 
I think that's, that's, issue, that's probably the better move that I could think of with Russell Wilson. Okay. We also had five years into the future rookie picks involved in the last auction. So there was Dude. an auction just for rookie picks. So all of the picks for the next five years are already on people's rosters. And a lot of people just bought like all the picks forever. So wow. there's teams that just have 12 picks in every auction for the next four or five years. Leave it wow. to leave it to John Bosch to come yeah, up yeah, with something. Yeah, it's amazing. Like that. It yeah. is a I it is it. phenomenal. Yeah. I'm both offended and grateful I was not invited into this league. Right? <laughs> Cuz I'd probably be in the same predicament if not if not worse. But I think your but your process is sound, Russ. I mean, try to get off or get get out from under as many least high value assets as possible as of right now move for as many third fourth round picks like if if possible depending on your league settings it doesn't sound like that's uh at least an easy route to roll i guess in the league you're describing adam and then try and and try and move on from there um i mean have you i guess my only question is and i think adam you kind of listed off a couple of players that kind of popped in my mind but and i asked this to both of you guys i mean do you like in a situation like that, I mean, do you just try and pick, I don't know, let's say maybe one or two, let's say key players that are just, okay, well, I have to keep this guy. If it's Bryce Love or whomever, I mean, is do you have to, do you normally try and say that, well, I want to try and keep at least one building block? Or if you find yourself in such a bad situation where you don't think you're going to be able to compete until... 2021 2022 i mean is it just uh i mean let's just break it all down see what we can get back and completely start over well here's the thing man is that a lot of those guys might be worst value at some point but they're not right now i mean i like bryce love a lot and uh i always joke about uh uh love guys 2020 because i think that's gonna be phenomenal but yeah uh, he's not worth anything right now he will be next year i fully believe um, if we could get Chris Thompson out of the way, but everybody's on the block ready to go. But in a league like that, it, you, you're not going to really get much for those guys. So in a sense, you are kind of keeping them as building blocks. You're saying, Hey, this guy's going to be valuable at some point, but nobody sees it right now. So let me just go ahead and keep them. Otherwise I'm trading them for like a fourth, which is going to end up being $7 and probably get a fourth or fifth round player out of it. So guys like that, but here's the thing I want to get out there. I I provided this partially for therapy and partially because you do not have the worst team on the planet. I have the worst team on the planet. Now, it was uh, strange situations and a crazy John Bosch lead that led me here. But you're going to have one stud. You would have to try so hard to not have one stud. And I'll also add I had Andrew Luck. So I did have two stud quarterbacks. I could have done a lot more if Andrew Luck was even producing like Jacoby Brissett right now. Um, I could have traded both of them for huge packages and it would have been a way easier turnaround, but you're going to have a stud. If you can change that, take that stud and flip them for five players that you think have upside. It takes a lot of work because I've been doing it Mm -hmm. to pick five players on a team that people are um, fine with getting rid of and parting ways with that you think will, you know, have a bright future. Michael Gallup's one of them. Uh, you can turn things around. It's not impossible. You don't have to leave the league. You don't have to uh, put put a next owner in a bad situation. Yeah, I agree what, with that. What's super freeing about being in the situation that Adam is in right now 
is there is literally zero pressure to do anything right now. Right. Like you were just saying with Bryce Love, I mean, Chris Thompson is always hurt. He is, I think his contract's coming up. I don't remember if he's extended. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I can check. I'm pretty so, like, sure. so like you said, Bryce Love has the very likely chance of his value going up. So you don't need to get rid of him right now. You could wait a year and a half if you felt like it. Mm-hmm. Because, sorry, you're not competing in a year and a half. Um, so what what's awesome about the situation you're in, if you can use the word awesome and the situation you're at for the right deal to come along, you can wait for the playoffs to come around. So if, you know, I guess Bryce Love's not getting healthy and I don't remember all the other horrible people you listed, but like if one of those people like stumbles into some playing time closer to the playoffs, you could make that move then. You don't have to do anything right now. That's a good point. Chris Thompson is a free agent next year. Yeah, so there you go. So like you were saying, specifically about Love, he easily will be worth more in three months than he is right now. Sure. And we're here now, Russ, so we might as well get the Darius guys talk out of the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, So I told Adam I want to talk about Darius guys, A, because he has him in Trade Addict 6 and – I've gone through all of my leagues trying to acquire Darius Geis, and I really thought people would be lower on him than they are right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of shocked about it. Now, I know you are on the complete opposite end of that spectrum because he's your boy, but like, I want to know what you think his value should be right now, what it will be in two weeks after he's actually allowed to play and what you think he will be going forward. Because I need to know if I should be spending more than I think I should right now just to get him on my teams. All right, so this is tough because in a situation like, uh, let's reference Corey Davis, for example. He he was uh, 101, uh, ended up being maybe the 102 in some leagues at the time. Um, and he just hasn't really hit. He's done pretty well, but he hasn't met that um, he hasn't quite reached the bar that we set for him. So he's been sold at a discount. The problem is Darius Geis was the uh, 102 pretty much everywhere. And he hasn't had the opportunity to say that he was a bust. Now playing for the Redskins right now, he probably would end up being considered a bust for now. And then you would get that discount, but everybody who drafted him and everybody who has him on their team, either paid a lot for him. Like I did in a lot of leagues. Uh, Cause I thought he would, uh, be a stud this year, or they drafted him two years ago at the 102. So there's no reason, real reason to give a discount right now, uh, simply because you haven't even gotten to see what you have yet. So what happens if you sell them for pretty cheap, like let's say uh, 2022nd, uh, something projected to be an early 2022nd, and you sell them, and he just comes out and he balls out because he's playing week 11. Well, that wasn't worth it already. I mean, mm-hmm. if he balls out and shows you that he's going to be what you drafted two years ago, well, then he probably would be RB3 in this class coming out. So this class is extremely deep at running back. But after the top five, which could probably go early the way drafts have been going, even though I love these receivers, um, you would, you'd want Darius Geis. So what I'm getting at is a late first is probably fair. Uh, I know a lot of people won't agree with that because they're thinking Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, those guys are going to creep to the top. Mm-hmm. After 9, 10, 11, you probably want Darius Geis. Um, 
I would probably consider him over some of the guys that are going to be early, like uh, ETN, definitely not Swift, uh, Eno Benjamin. He's right in the range with those guys, and they don't have teams yet. So, yeah, there's no real reason to trade an early first form. I wouldn't. Um, but he's got to be considered in that range. Um, I would be looking at trading players for Darius Geis instead. So a player that's around that price range, around that mid-first to late-first price range, that's what I would be trying to trade for Darius Geis because those picks are going to be so, so valuable. I'm probably not going to get to make a pick in 2020, honestly. Mm-hmm. So now right, um, – Wait, hold on. Christian Kirk or Darius Geis? Darius Geis. Geis for me. Yeah, that easily? Actually, that's actually very easy only because let's equate Christian Kirk to a, a first-round pick. I love Christian Kirk, but um, I'm not taking him over C.D. Lamb, and I'm not taking him over Jared Judy even close to the same conversation. So then if I'm saying I'm going to take Darius Geis around there, that's a easy one okay. for me. Okay, we don't have to talk about my team. You know, move on. Okay. Uh, but I guess the I guess to kind of bring all of that together and actually relating that back to a concept you were talking about a bit ago, Russ, was that so even if we're looking at even if you're holding on to Geist right now, he pops here in in the next like couple of weeks now that he started practicing and he plays. I mean, part of the I guess the freeing part that you mentioned earlier about having a team in that position is that you can continue to hold these assets see if they actually do or like they they have any production like on the field and then you can wait i mean wait until january february or i'll throw this out to you guys like wait until like draft season like come like march april when people are starting to get a little bit antsy and like they want to try and maybe try and move up or something like that to see if those players might hold a little bit more value but at least at the very least you don't have to make any, I guess, quick moves now, especially with assets that you know should have at least some minimal value or at least be able to show us something before the end of the 2019 season. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to mention before we jump to the next um, talking point is that it being on Darius Geist right now, I will not lie, is a pretty fish move because he the offensive line is terrible and Trent Williams is not going to play. So we're just saying that Darius Geis is going to overcome the situation, which almost never happens. But what I do want to say is that with his running style and how physical he is um, and the way he, the way his motor is, it's it's elite the way this guy plays. And if you're not a film watcher, you're not going to really get that. So those aren't going to be the guys that own Darius Geis right now. I can promise you that. They've already traded him for 2021. Mm-hmm. But the people that do have Darius Geis right now, I would definitely be excited for because – He's coming back week 11 to a terrible offense and a terrible offensive line, but it's going to be the Darius Geis show. I'm almost positive because what's, what, what is the point? Jay's trying to keep a job. If you're going to keep a job, you're going to showcase Dwayne Haskins. Oh, sorry. Jay's already been fired. So so everyone else is trying to keep a job. My apologies. So you're going to showcase Dwayne Haskins. You're going to showcase Terry McLaurin um, and, and Darius Geis to the future. Adrian Peterson is not going to be there next year. Chris Thompson's not going to be there next year. So what else are they going to do besides feed Darius guys? But uh, that's going to segue us into the next the next talking point is, uh, are you a pretender or a contender? Because at the halfway point, you're looking at the team that's three and five, and you're thinking, I can do this. Uh, I, I can make the playoffs. I can make the next leap. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if you go look at your standings and another team seven and one, and then you got six and two, six and two, uh, five and three, and they're all way more competitive than you, and you need two players to come back from injury and, and one player to really turn things around like Le'Veon Bell, it's probably not happening for you. So now is the time to move on. How do you guys go about, you know, really looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I got to do some things to, to prepare for the future? Uh, at least for me, uh, doing like pretty much what you just said, but also, and this is the same thing that I do with uh, with my redraft teams. Is yeah, I mean your standings, of course, that's that's your first indicator. I mean if you're sitting at three and five, two and six, uh, or worse, I mean that's that's your first indicator. But also, I mean yeah, losses are the first thing that people look at. But then in those two columns, like to the to the right of that, I mean, how many points that you've scored mm-hmm. and how many points have been scored against you? I mean, those are also a pretty decent indicator of how your team is doing. Because if you've lost, let's say, a series of nail biters, let's say it's like 130 points to 135, uh, 150 to 143. Actually, I just lost a matchup this past week. Like by, I put up like 140 points and lost by a margin of like five. And it was like one of, it was one of my better weeks. But still, I mean, if your uh, if you sh- if your points four are still one of the let's say average to above average like teams in the league, that means you've still got a decent amount of core players. You still got players that are producing. So while we focus on like the wins, you know, win loss record, but how well your team is producing will also give you an indicator as to whether or not you're actually going to be a contender within your league. It could be, you know. You start. You know, it could come down to just the simple decisions of who you're supposed to be starting and sitting, right? Like I, I should have started. Uh, let's see, last week I should have started Chris Conley. Well, I left him on my bench, or maybe last week I should have played. Let's see who wound up scoring like really big at, at running back, or maybe I should have just sat Chase Edmonds instead and then maybe played somebody different. But regardless, I mean, those are the two things, at least the on the at, from the ten thousand foot level, where you can instantly take a look at your team and decide whether or not they have the strength to actually like push forward like for throughout the rest of the season. If you're already sitting below in the standings, but also your team is in the you know below average in terms of how much they're putting up each week, then yeah, it's probably time to turn the page and take a look at twenty twenty and beyond. All right. So first things first, and this is going to be the most important thing. Know your playoff rules. Know who gets into the playoffs. Right Right now in multiple leagues, I see many people saying, oh, man, I'm done. You know, I'm about to start selling. And then I go and look at the stands and be like, no, dude, points four gets the sixth seed and you have 300 points more than the next person. So, no, right. you're in, you pretty much are in the playoffs, man. Um, and, oh, man, uh, the Dynasty Diagnostic Championship League, Aton rules to get into the playoffs that have to do with all play and points and um, so a know your rules b everything you guys just said if you guys are playing on my fantasy league which if you're not you should be uh, and the reports standings power rank there's a mm-hmm. power ranking report that is just fantastic it gives you everything these guys just said it shows your record your points for max points for so the highest score you've scored your lowest score your efficiency at setting your best lineup your potential points it also tells you how many games you could have won or should have lost Mm -hmm. based on your lineups and then gives you your all play record and your all play percentage so you know how like you were saying if you're the second highest score but you happen to be playing the first 
your all play record will reflect that because it is literally every week what your record would be if you played every single team. Mm -hmm. So those are all fantastic ways to know how you should be setting up for the future. Like if you're, you know, like you said, the other side of it, if you're winning games, but you're, you know, just happen to be playing teams that put up 75 points a week, you'll see that on that power ranking. You'll be ranked ridiculously low, and you'll see why in that all play. So you'll know that selling is probably the right move. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to do the little, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, I have so many teams with Devontae Adams that should be doing better than they are. But I've been without him for four weeks. I had to do without Saquon for four weeks. I have them both on the same team with Mahomes also. So, I mean... Yeah, I know that team is going to be just fine. So I'm mm-hmm. not panicking with that. So you have to add that in a little bit. But all the information you really need is right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, it's all about getting to the dance too. But remember that a lot of leagues have trade deadlines. So you're on a clock. Ooh. If you're just waiting you know, to see if you're going to compete or not, that's good. Um, but give yourself time to make some trades before the trade deadline because what happens when you decide that your team's a dumpster fire and then you can't trade your Larry Fitzgeralds and your LeSean McCoy's? Um, so I'm all for holding on and uh, trying to get into the dance because that's what this is all about. And anything can happen once you're in the playoffs. Um, you might have another DJ chart come out for the end of the year or somebody like that. But uh, yeah. Curtis Patrick put out a great thread. Uh, we're, we're recording on 31st. He put it out on the 30th if you want to go check his feed. But that was all about uh, trying to generate trades and when to generate trades and how to know that it's time to rebuild, things like that. It was it was an awesome thread, uh, so definitely go check that out. But let's go ahead and say that you've done all the things that were just recommended. Your team is complete trash, and you are not going to the playoffs. Uh, Rush, your team sucks. When are you selling your bets? Uh, four weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, in reality, uh, veteran players are like draft picks during draft season. The closer you get to the playoffs, the more value they're worth. I guess. Right. If you're in one of those loser leagues with trade deadlines, the closer you get, I'm just kidding. If you want to have a trade deadline, have a trade deadline. I, I don't. Just <laughs> There's good points for right. and against. Um, so yeah, the closer you get to either the playoffs or the trade deadline, the more valuable your vets are going to be. Uh, the problem is that also means that's more valuable uh, draft picks are going to be, and more valuable young guys are going to be. The later you get into the season, closer to next draft season. So that's why, like honestly around around week like four ish is that first time where you're like oh yeah no my team's not good let me get some picks let me get some young guys next is yeah probably right around like a lot of leagues deadlines are around the beginning of november so now ish week 10 to 12. so yeah now is really the next chance where you get to see for sure yeah no i don't want to make the playoffs so let me get rid of these guys Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you are waiting to make that decision right now is the perfect time to start looking around. Look at those teams that either, A, are completely on top but have, like, no depth. So if you want to unload, like, Frank Gore or Carlos Hyde, those real low-depth guys, mm-hmm. or seek out those teams that are 4-4. Four and four. Or even better, if your league mates don't know about those power rankings, find those guys that are winning games that shouldn't be. Give them your vets for their draft picks because they're going to keep losing and you're just going to get very good right yeah. and a quick a quick aside is that you have to know if you have your first or not so definitely make sure that you've got your own first before you start selling or don't oh, yeah. or not selling because no point in losing if you don't have your own picks right yeah. exactly if you don't have your own first there's no point you're not in any time constraint um 
things get dicey if you do have your own first uh, because you might be waiting for a trade window, um, which might make you win more games. So you might be inclined to trade a player a little early. Um, so in Trade Attic 6, I have Le'Veon Bell right now. So we're talking week nine, Le'Veon Bell. He's had elite usage, and he has not gotten there. And Sam Darnold has just – he missed he missed a whole month. He missed over a month in, in the midst of the season with Mono. Of course, mm-hmm. the dude's going to come back and be rusty. Of course, he's going to come back and see ghosts. He's not terrible. I mean, he was showing potential. Uh, he's not Mitch Trubisky bad, at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, Le'Veon Bell's getting elite usage. His schedule coming up is complete garbage. He's just going to feast if Sam comes back and does anything yeah. at all. He's going to be successful. So all this is to say right now, trade, trade addicts six, I am three and five, and I have Le'Veon Bell. J. Mike doesn't mind being transparent, so I'll use him for the betterment of the show. His team is absolute fire uh oh yeah he's sitting at seven and one he's probably a contender away from being absolute uh monster when you're sitting at seven and one you are just looking to get assurance for winning the championship that's what you need to do so Mm -hmm. j mike went uh into our chat yesterday and he sent a traits to people for their studs j mike also on top of being seven one absolute fire has Four first round picks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's part. That, that's partially my fault. My bad guys. Yeah, thanks, Ross. <laughs> so he so he inquires about Le'Veon, of course, because he's an amazing candidate to buy right now, and J. Mike's smart, so he's inquiring about Le'Veon. If I sell Le'Veon for Le'Veon's price right now, after fourteen points per game, I believe in PPR, uh, something like on that, average throughout the season. I have to sell him for a late first. I don't want to sell Livion for a late first, but I also don't want him necessarily on my team because I have to hit value for him. If you sell Livion right now, you have to sell him for a late first, and in two weeks you're probably going to get an early first. Mm -hmm. That's just what's going to happen. So you need to look at your team, and you need to tell yourself, I am rebuilding. I do need to get rid of this bets, but is this the time to get rid of those bets? Yeah. So actually, real quick, uh, and this may be uh, the kind of getting into the weeds and whatnot, but can you guys, I guess, talk a little bit about the differences? Because you hit it, like you touched on a really great point, but can you talk about the differences between owning your own first versus like taking on somebody else's first and why that makes a difference? All right. Um, well, like we said before, if you don't have your own first, losing doesn't get you anywhere. The point of losing is to make your draft picks more valuable. If you don't have it and you start losing, you're just helping another team out. That is not helpful for you. Um, so that's like also why I said before, if you're trading for another team's first, you know, you don't want to make that other team that much better <laughs> because all you're doing is making your asset worth less. Um, I have in Trade Addicts 1 and 2, I had two teams I thought that were going to be able to compete before the season started, and I turned out to be very, very wrong. So I don't have either of my first round picks. So I've been holding on to, um, when I rebuild, I get rid of running backs. Like in sure. Trade Addict 1, I have Chris Carson and Tevin Coleman. Hmm. Now, if I had my first, they'd have been off my team by now, like weeks yeah. ago. Because they're putting up points and that would damage my draft picks. I don't have my first round picks, so there's no point in me not scoring points. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So now I'm going to have to 
you know, we don't have trade deadlines. So once that that once that playoffs hit, that might be where I sell them if I get a good deal. Much like know you're knowing you're two years off and you don't have to rush to do anything. Not mm-hmm. having any picks, you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you're going to go into next year in the exact same position you are right now. Sure. Which could be good, could be bad. For my teams, it's not terrible, but you know, losing doesn't get you anywhere if you aren't gaining value from losing. I guess that's really the overall point right. as well. Yeah. So if you already know that your first your first round pick is going to wind up being a high first round pick but you're trading away or you're gaining a first round pick from a team that's going to be a contender. That means that their first round pick is going to be a, at the very least a mid to late first round pick. So that is a lesser valued pick than what you would, you would wind up having if you had your, if you kept your own. And if I had my first round pick in that TA six league that I just mentioned, I'm, I would have traded Le'Veon Bell. I'm just going to take what I can get because he's going to go down this monster stretch and win me games on his own. I think, I mean, The stretch is terrible. The hope, yeah. The, the, I'm, I mean, horrible. And he's getting 93% usage, I think, still relatively close to that. So even if you don't like Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. I mean, Chase Edmonds on that stretch would be amazing. I guess that's a bad example because my boy Chase Edmonds has been balling out. But I'm getting rid of Le'Veon Bell a long time ago. First, first it comes in, yeah, whatever, take him. Just don't win me games, Le'Veon. Uh, so that's a perfect example since everybody cares to hear about my team. Well, yeah, but I think, but that segues into our next our next uh, discussion point is that determine you know selling high and selling low. Mm-hmm. So at this point right now, I mean, you know, Le'Veon Bell he would be like one of those like sell high candidates because we see the upcoming matchup, we see his mm-hmm. utilization, we see you know the I guess all the the peaks that could be. I mean, versus I mean, if the team just completely implodes like within this like really like decent stretch of games. You're really not going to get anything back for him. So right. now would be that time right. where you look look at the schedule, look at the way he's been used, and say, okay, you know, if I'm in a situation where I'm two and six, one and seven, or whatever, now would be the time to jump ship, to, you know, give him to a contender, and then and continue to move on from there. Assuming you have your, assuming you already have your first rounder. But I mean, is that the general formula or the process you guys wind up using for determining? Okay, like in my do I just need to get out from under a player at this right. point? So, I mean, Le'Veon Bell would be like a great sell high candidate, but who would be a sell low candidate for you guys? I mean, would it be somebody like, I don't know, Damian Williams, sell LeSean low McCoy. candidate? LaShawn yeah. McCoy. Trade him for Miles Yeah. I mean, yeah. So- in that situation, I think, like, let's say you don't have your first and, you know, losing isn't necessarily what you want to do. The only people you, I would really be looking to sell are those people that really, you know, their value cannot go up. Like mm-hmm. you said, LaShawn McCoy's value is never going to get higher. Right, right. Frank Gore, though he may never die, his value is not going to get any higher. But he also has a baller schedule coming up. So he is a great sell to a competing team if your okay. team is terrible and you still have it. Right. Um any, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald has had a pretty bad past two games, but still him, Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. Like, there's these guys in their 30s that it doesn't matter how many points they score, their value is just never going to increase. So selling them now doesn't matter. Like, you might as well sell them now and get into this draft class that is going to be awesome. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, you I can take that... your favorite, like, non-stud rookie wide receiver from last year and trade your 
your Frank Gores or your LaShawn McCoy. It's like I said, Miles Boykin. I just, I really like Miles Boykin. I think he's going to be a productive player in this league. And so, yeah. so, sure, I didn't even counter because, like you said, Chris, LaShawn McCoy is one of the players that you just have to get rid of. Um, he's not like your Le'Veon Bell where you're following the flow chart and seeing when you can when you can get him, get the most value for him. Like LaShawn McCoy is not going to get more value because he's not even, even though he's still producing, he's not even getting consistent usage in his backfield. Right. So how am I supposed to look at his upcoming schedule and say how well he's going to do? Because what if he doesn't get all the touches in those good matchups? You know, mm-hmm. he's he's got to go. Yeah, I mean, other the, the the other guys that uh, I guess at other positions. I know running back, wide receiver are kind of like the the core pieces to most offenses. But if, if you want to even take it any further, uh, looking at tight ends, Greg Olson's. Uh, I mean, Delaney. Sure. Yeah. If you think he's going to make a make a comeback or anything like that? I mean, so those like those older vets at those positions where it's just okay. Well, you, you know that contenders might be kind of weaker at those positions because especially for tight end, it might not be a position that most folks are paying too much attention to most folks thought they were going to buy into uh i don't know any of the guys that came out this year uh irv smith some of those guys and uh, hawk any you know some players like that where it's just okay well i can get some production there and can just kind of you know limp my way through the season at the position but now looking at it they might need a couple of pieces that might actually push them over the edge and where they want to go so identifying those guys and then trying to make a move now especially at this point in the season uh, might be might be the way to go and then i guess how do you approach some of those contenders i mean how do you wind up selling some of those assets to attend uh, to contenders i mean are, have you guys normally just taken the direct approach and just been like hey you're at you're you're seven and one you're six and two yeah. i mean is this you know and you're weaker at this position like you know what do you want for this guy you know i'm willing to give you greg olson i'm willing to give you uh insert name of vet here that kind of has a great schedule Le'Veon Bell so on and so forth has that generally been your tactic in in trying to start those negotiations Ross I traded uh Dalvin to J Mike and TA6 right uh I remember uh Dalvin has made his way around that league so I'm not even sure I had him at one point (laughs) I I traded Dalvin for uh Juju and JJ Arcega Whiteside when I started to realize it's not going to happen um so that's kind of tells you how I would approach it. It's more like Juju's got a tough situation, but the dude's 21. And we didn't even need production from him yet to like him. And we got elite production from him already. So, yeah, I'll take Juju off your hands and you go win the ship. Uh, That's kind of the deal with Dalvin Cook because if I'm rebuilding, like Russ alluded to earlier, I don't want running backs. I don't. He could tear his ACL. Um, Anyone can tear their ACL. I get that. But they're – they're more inclined to injuries. Anything can happen to him while he's winning me games that I don't need to win. Mm-hmm. So I just I, – I get him out of there and then, you know, I'll build my team around Juju. I'll build my team around Michael Thomas. Uh, players like that is who I want on a rebuilding team because they're not expiring while I'm trying to get my act together. So yeah, if you I, I did something – I did the exact same thing like three weeks ago. I traded Dalvin Cook. Well, it was a bigger deal, but pretty much it was Dalvin Cook for DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Because this dude was making that push. And my team was good, but it wasn't quite there yet. And then, of course, I get DeAndre Hopkins. He starts doing a lot better. And then random guys started hitting for me, so I'm making a push anyway. But, I mean, that, but that's the kind of move you want to do. Exactly what you were saying. If you're not going to win this year, running backs are risky. Mm-hmm. So getting off of them is the smart move. 
That's possible. Like that. out, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that. So based off of, I guess the, the, I guess the nominal, like the notion that running backs have a shorter half life than mm-hmm. you know a career than wide receivers. Mm-hmm especially once you get into that rebuilding mode, or even if you start looking into like the next season or two years down the line. So what you guys are telling me is that you should be offloading running backs right now. I mean, if you're well, again, offloading is a strong word because everything yeah. we've said from before here has been when value is matters. And when you do those trades matter. Yeah. Keeping that um, in context. Yeah. But going back to your, the, you know, the question that really brought us here, um, a, there is nothing wrong with blanket offering your league. Yeah. You know, I have Frank Gore on my team. I'm going to go to those first five teams and offer Frank Gore for a third, Frank Gore for a late second, whatever you think he's worth. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with offering all those guys. Um, and even if you want to use your trade bait or in the comments of those trades, be honest. Yep, my team sucks. Yours doesn't. Let me let's find a way to get this good player onto your team. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no sugarcoating it. Everyone can see the standings. Yeah. We, all, we all know. We're all in the same chat together. I mean, yeah, we're all talking. Yeah, Chris, how many episodes have we done on trades, man? I mean, probably oh, so yeah. many. And never yeah. once have we recommended anything but being direct and getting fair trades done. Yeah. I mean, there are so many talking heads out there that just want you to annihilate your trades. That person's going to be pissed off, and they're not even going to look at your offer ever again. Yeah. Just – just get a fair trade done and fair trades now might not be fair trades down the road, but let's take it a, a step further because this is how I like to look at dynasty. So I am not doing a long rebuild almost ever. I mean, the team that we talked about at the beginning, obviously is going to be a long rebuild, but I'm trying to get back to competing as early as possible. So when I trade Dalvin for Juju and JJ Arcega Whiteside looks pretty bad right now because Dalvin's averaging probably 27 points per game, I believe in PPR, but Next year, I can probably trade Juju and get Dalvin back if the roles get reversed pretty pretty easily. I mean, yeah, I mean if Ben comes back, out a little. Juju is going to you know explode back in value because that's what's killing right. him right now. 100%. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I was saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to win a Twitter poll right now. But I don't care because I'm getting Juju and a player that I believe in in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And then when the roles are reversed next year and I need Dalvin Cook on my roster, I can trade Juju back probably straight up when Ben Roethlisberger's back, and then I've got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for free. So that's what yeah. you need to th- be thinking about going forward. Yeah, I think that to, from what you guys are, I guess, outlining for a process for folks, I mean, that should be the – uh, I guess the positions of need or also just the, the tactics that you should be using like in your negotiations. So I think that that definitely makes sense. And uh, I mean, I guess final talking point, I mean, Adam teed up for us. Like what do we, what do we got left for the folks? Yeah. So I basically just wanted to finish off talking about like, uh, if, if, if I, I wanted to recap, if you are, if you're going to be losing um, and you need to rebuild for the future, I just wanted to reiterate here at the end, like if you don't have your first, just just look at your roster. Like I take a lot of notes on my roster and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about it. You know, we did that show with Leo where he had his whole notebook. I just take notes on my roster and I say, okay, this player, you know, a, a good time to trade him is going to be at this time. A good time to trade him is going to be at this time. Just go ahead and like, you can absolutely annihilate some, some, uh, some trades. I mean, you, like I said, get the fair trades done, but you can really set yourself up for the future if you just sell your players at the right time. 
And I wanted to also reiterate, like earlier, if you have your first, just get get what you can for the guys that you mm-hmm. need to get rid of. But again, you don't have your first, just go down go down your entire roster and just say this is a good time to trade this guy. Good time to trade this guy, and then go approach your your uh, the people competing directly and say my team sucks, your team doesn't. What's fair for this player? Mm-hmm. And I guess to the point, I guess it's. How do you determine, I guess, taking what you can get like out of a trade? I mean, is that taking just the absolute minimum? I mean, you might, again, you might be losing a Twitter poll, like if that trade were to get reposted. But depending on your situation, let's say, again, you're sitting at the bottom of the standings. Power ranking is really low. I mean, do you just wind up taking anything at that point? I mean, literally anything for a player that you just want to try and get some value back for? Taking what you get is probably a bad term to use because it's got such a negative connotation in our industry now, um, but not necessarily because you have to understand that nev- rarely is only one team competing, and if only one team's competing, then they don't need to trade you anyways because they're already crushing it. So I, if if it's not close to fair from the highest-ranked team, then go to the second-highest-ranking team, and then it's going to doubly suck for the contending team because – you just made the second best team even better. And then after you make the second best team any better, you're going to go back to the first one and you're going to say, Hey, I just made the second best team better because we couldn't get something done. Do you want this player? Maybe you'll get something fair done that time. Yeah. It's, it's tough because I mean, this is such a, at least I use this all the time. Every league is its own market. Mm -hmm. So what is what you get best for one league isn't the best you're going to get in a different league. Mm-hmm. So that's really very important to remember. Like I said before, you know, try and sell Frank Gore for a third, try and sell Frank Gore for a second. Your playoff structure or even just the standings of what they are now dictate what people are willing to spend to make that push. If, you know, it's week eight, nine, and people like if your league already just you know who's making it in, you're not going to get as much for those guys. It's just mm-hmm. the unfortunate reality. Um, so, uh, taking, like he said, like uh, Adam said, taking what you can get is such a bad phrase, but in the end, sometimes you might have to, like, if you want to be, if you're smooth and you want to be smart about it, you'd be like, yeah, man, I'm about to trade this guy to this dude that's right behind you. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to keep play some keep away, yeah. you know, match it at least, uh, you know. I'm a little too lazy for that. <laughs> you know, I'm not good enough at it. And like you don't have so, enough leagues that you know, you have the time for all those in-depth negotiations like day in and day out. Yeah, but I mean, if you're one in seven, you know, what's what good is letting Frank Gore die on your roster? So, yeah. yeah, sometimes it's worth it just to take, you know, take the third you can get. Sure. And being wide open is always the benefit of the seller. I'm going to go ahead and that'll be my last talking point is just that uh, – be wide open in your league. Be completely open with everybody when you're the seller. When you're the buyer, obviously you would like discretion, but it is always the benefit of the seller to be wide open. Now, don't be a jerk and go post everybody's trades in the chat and say, hey, this is what I what so-and-so just offered me. But I'll even go as far to say, hey, I've got an elite wide receiver and a third-round pick on the table for blah, blah, blah. Does anybody want to beat that before they're gone? And if somebody can beat that, you trade them. You didn't put anybody on blast, but it is always your benefit because you guys, how many times has somebody said, well, I would have paid more than that. Oh, the worst yeah. thing. Well, why uh-huh. didn't you say yeah. anything? So just be open and then you never have to hear that. 
Yep. Yeah. No, I'm I'm completely with you there, and it's it's hard to it's definitely hard to stomach or at least to comprehend that it's like well if you would have if you would have then you know why didn't you know why didn't we have those conversations like beforehand so it just seems like it's always after the fact. Yep. Uh, but all right, I mean Russ, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us today. It's been too long. It's been too long for for all of us. I mean to be quite honest with you, I mean the fantasy season kind of I don't know washes us all away and then. You know, we're just kind of left trying to figure things out throughout the throughout the fantasy season. But thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, we'll give you parting shots. We'll give the floor is yours before we before we get on out of here, man. Uh, I mean, we do a show about trading, so I unload everything I have to say because that's usually what I talk about anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but like now's fun. Uh, you know, now is the time where you can decide what you want to do with your team. If your team is bad, but you still feel like trying to make the playoffs, go for it, man. You have five firsts because you thought you were going to rebuild, and there's no real front run in your league. Sell them. Go mm-hmm. nuts. Why not? I mean, this is a game for fun. It helps when you have 20-something leagues, so if you screw it up, you still have, you know, uh, hopefully at least 10-ish that you're still good in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, the answer to, you know, what happens if I have this crappy league? Join more leagues, you know. Yeah, hopefully yeah. law of averages, you get some better ones. Yeah. Um, but, no, have, like, I think every time you ask me for parting shots, I just say have fun because that's what this game really is yeah. all about. Yeah. So don't don't feel like you have to do something. If you want to make that push, go for it. If you have a team that's like fifth, fourth, even third, but you're like, nah, I really like this 2020 class, whatever, man. Go sell Julio Jones for a couple of firsts. No biggie. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you there. Adam, we got anything else before we get on out of here? Yeah, happy to have Ross take back the lead from Peter and the most uh, dynasty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us, being patient. Uh, we're working with DLF still doing the mailbag shows. Uh, we're cleaning that up. We're going to get those out sooner. Um what I, what I want to do is say about those, when the season starts to slow down is where Dynasty starts to pick up. So we're going to try to get those questions in. We're going to get them answered. We're going to get them back to you on Twitter so you knew that we answered them. And you're going to have basically a four- or five-minute clip of us answering your Dynasty questions. So it's a really cool setup we have over there with DLF. Again, thank everyone for joining us. And you can find me at APWILDE. Absolutely. And Russ, where can we find you at? I am at Dynasty Outhouse on the Twitters. Uh, uh, Trade Addicts podcast with my homeboy at Brian RFF. Um, I have, you know, inserted myself as a host of Dynasty Game Night. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, catch me on there whenever they record when I can actually do that as well. Um, otherwise, yeah, I sit on Twitter all day. That's what I do. And, and you know, clearly, if you have any questions, matter, if you have any questions for trades, go, go ask that man questions. Go yeah. hit him up in his DMs. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, DME, I don't. You know, every, it's funny. Like people like apologize. They're like, sorry to bother you, but can you just answer this question real quick? Like, dude, no. Please stop me from working. Please yeah. let I. There give is, me the you, distraction. Yeah, give me all the information you feel like you need to give someone to get a good answer. Yeah, like there's no point in asking me a question and not getting a good answer out of it. Tell me all your lead details. Screenshot me your team and the other team. I don't care, man. Just you know, it's all about getting all this stuff out there and distracting my life with awesome fantasy football stuff. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we all need is more distractions, and we love it. We love Russ. Uh, we love all of oh, you guys for taking time to, to listen listen to us. So for 
Adam. For Russ, I am Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. We thank you all for listening, and hopefully we'll catch you guys here soon. Dynasty. It's automatic.